uh, riders that I've never beat before in the Spanish Championship. You, you, everything happened seamlessly. Like, and thanks to that, I was able to, to make the rest of the World Championship. And to put you in perspective how difficult it was, I could not score points in any other race that year. So I just had the two first points on the first race. And I was outside the 15 places, outside the, the points for the whole year. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Trials Australia podcast. Episode 50, we made it. Woohoo! Just a reminder that if you're enjoying this podcast, to share it with your friends, we're available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and all episodes will be automatically delivered to your device. I'll uh, admit we're a growing and global podcast, but a bit of local news for those in Victoria, Australia. The Oakley Motorcycle Club will be hosting a Summer Twilight series. We'll have four rounds starting on the 19th of December and run until late February. We've chosen to go with Saturday afternoons, which is not your usual trials time, to allow for errands to be run in the morning and also keep the club grounds free for our usual Sunday opening. There'll be a trophy presentation and barbecue on the 7th of March. Entries are now open via trials.com.au and we've already started seeing the entries flow in, which is fantastic. It'll be a great trial for newer riders as well. Well, we made it to episode 50. It's a bit of a milestone and as such, we've got a milestone guest lined up for you. Uh, to be honest, when I started this podcast, I wasn't really sure where it would go and how frequently we would do it, but I'm very proud of getting to 50 episodes and the great conversations we've had with the members of our sport. Thank you to all our past, present and future guests, but most of all, thank you to our listeners. Your emails and messages with suggestions, general support and friendly commentary are very much appreciated, so thank you all. This week, we're speaking with Albert Cabastan. How is this for a resume? 306 trial GP events, 84 podiums, including one on his final trial GP event, and nine wins. 127 indoor trials, 90 podiums, 18 wins, one championship. Twice the trial E world champion and 27 representations on the Spanish TDN team across the outdoor and indoor competition. That is an impressive list. Further, Albert's name should be familiar to anyone who's owned a Sherco with his name emblazoned on the factory edition all the way through till about 2017. Despite his success with over 23 years at the top flight of our sport, what struck me was that he remains a real student of the sport, even to this day, and is very process-driven rather than relying on any natural talent. In this chat, Albert reflects on the fun and enjoyment of being a trials rider over 23 years, but we do get an insight into how the variables and pressure that can be put on the top riders in the trial GP class and how sometimes competition day can be more of a chore than fun. We also talk about living on the edge of offside, which will make more sense when you listen to this interview. We talked about his transition to beta for his final year as a rider in trial GP, staving off a premature retirement from trial GP competition. And then we get the scoop on Albert's next phase of his career as he leaves the trial E class as a rider and moved into the team manager capacity at Gas Gas. We also get his observations on KTM taking over the Gas Gas brand. 
I thoroughly enjoyed this chat with one of the most accomplished riders in our sport, and I hope you do too. Albert Cabestan, welcome to the Trials Australia podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's it's amazing to have a man of your talents on the podcast, and I've I've got lots of questions about your many years in the sport, so I'm very excited to dig into them with you. Because it sounds like you've had a long time with trials and uh, a long time with the Spanish team, and we're riding with a lot of top riders, so I'm sure there's some good stories in there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Just for the audience's benefit, we are talking to a man that has 84 podiums, a trial GP, has participated 27 times in the Spanish team's TDN. No small feat. The Spanish team is a very competitive team to get into. Uh, you've won a indoor uh, trial G uh, championship in 2002. And so... You're a very, very highly credentialed writer. <laughs> I, I, I'd love, to, I'd love to go back before it all got took off, though, and and where it all started. So, yes. would you mind taking me through your journey into the sport of trials and how you began? Uh, it's difficult to say because uh, my first uh, thought or the first thing I can remember from when I was young, it's me on a bike. So, since I was uh, really a kid, but I mean less than two years old i was riding on two wheels making as crazy things as i can with a with a bicycle of course at that time i have just a, a common bike i don't know the kind that one kid can have and my uncle who was uh working on a on a factory and has uh, let's say quite nice tools he cut me some pieces of the bike we put a smaller plate on the bike to make me easier to pedal and we start to to build a. a a kind of uh, trial bicycle uh, for me to, to have fun. But uh, I remember I was so, so young that uh, my, my first thoughts and are always on two wheels uh, playing around the streets uh, here in my city in Tarragona. Yeah, okay. So Tarragona, Spain is, is where it all started and, and it started on push bikes. When did you first get your first trials motorcycle? I get my first trial motorcycle when I was 12 years old. After uh, I won the the world championship on the bicycle uh, before it was called trial scene uh, after bike trial. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You won the bicycle trial. So it wasn't just your uncle making you a, a little uh, sport or, you know, something for fun. You actually got right into the discipline of bicycle trials first yes, before, yeah. and, and won the championship before you went into motor trials. Yeah, because look, uh, as uh, we are saying, I come from Tarragona. That means it's a city, not in a small village. And also, my, my father used to work every day on a shop. So I always say that for, for me, that the best school and the best option for a kid is to have a bicycle. Because at that moment, now things maybe are different. Uh, you were able to arrive at home from the school, uh, just take your bicycle, even if you are five, six, seven years old, and go with your friends and, and ride, you know. And that's uh, an impossible stuff with a motorcycle. You need somebody who's older than you that uh, can control you, can be at your side. The bike is heavy. Uh, now you have the chance to have electric bikes before, no. So it was noisy. You cannot go everywhere that you want. So for me, that was uh, the best way because I really enjoy going to wheels. I really, I must say, I, I love watch trials on TV. But... Uh, 
of course I take my bicycle and, and I was uh, like emulating them and I was making my sections and uh, telling myself now I'm Jordi Tarres now I'm Diego Bosis you know when I was playing like this so for me it was the best school in, in this way because I can spend many many hours on two wheels did you have family members that were into the sport or did you have friends that were encouraging you or were you really is it just a solo pursuit um, my father, it was uh, an amateur riding. Uh, he ride uh, races close to home, let's say regional races. Uh, but uh, I don't really know because, you, you know, as I'm telling you, I was so, so young at that moment, uh, less than two years old, that I was riding the bicycle, you know. Uh, I, I cannot share in my mind that it was because of him, but probably it will be, you know, because he was a trial rider and he, he loved going with the trial bike, but uh, right. okay. I was so young that I cannot share my beginnings, uh, my passion for two wheels with my father. For sure, after, it make it much easier because we share the same sport and we, we've been always together until my, my last race. But at that moment, for sure, it, it will help me. Uh, but uh, I just can remember myself on two wheels since the very first day. <laughs> that's uh that's fantastic and so you at age 12 get your first moto trials bike and did obviously having a strong background in bicycle trials must have helped you you must have been reasonably successful pretty straight pretty much straight away uh for sure it helps because uh there are so many things that uh i think bicycle lets you understand or go into the sport better than a than a motorcycle uh i always say that half of the of the job that you make as a trial rider is watching and walking the sections you know okay. so if you put in perspective of, of a small boy who has almost no strength no power and you need to pedal or you need to ride a bike with a throttle and suspensions when you make that second way you take a motorcycle and you just open the throttle you can go almost everywhere let's say that the bike will make a lot of work for you instead when you are so young and you need to put so much effort to pedal the bike, to climb everywhere, then you're, for you it's compulsory to take a good look at the section to really appreciate if this rock or the ram, this ram is uh, lower than the other. So you take much more care on walking the sections. So it's a good school for the balance, to, to understand uh, how to move the, the bicycle as well. But for me, the, the best thing that the bicycle gives to you is how you manage the situation when you're walking the section. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you you take a real precision focus to walking exactly. the section. Exactly. Yeah, okay. All right. So you went from getting your first motorcycle at twelve to your first trial GP competition at age I think seventeen or even sixteen, late sixteen. So what were those few years in between like? Uh, well, everything happened. Let's say quite fast and mm, quite easy maybe easy is not the word because you need to put for sure a lot of effort and a lot of hours yeah. on the bike but uh what i mean is that it came by itself you know i remember when i was really young boy around i don't know eight years old nine years old and my father was working uh, on a shop that they said i don't know the name that what you sell you know, the the food and everything that kind of of shop and yep. I was helping him to to mark the prices on the on the food uh, packages, and I tell him, you know, like a, a boy that has no idea of nothing, you know, I was so young, and I tell to my father uh, that uh, for sure one day I will be good riding trials. It's so easy, you know. 
but from a perspective of a small boy that for sure he doesn't know anything no now my daughter is telling me the same i will be a professional tennis player but he's no conscious of how hard it will be no so excellent yes yeah. at the end that thing happened you know i started uh, uh riding my first uh, motorcycle and i need to take out many of my habitudes from the bicycle because things change on the bicycle you 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 are the engine on the motorcycle and when you are 12 years old uh you need to let the bike make much more work for you so many things change at that time but uh we go step by step i make two years with a one to five uh, in 93 94 then i jump to the 250 bike in junior class then one year on uh senior in the spanish championship and i find myself testing the first run in the world championship in spain so it came like natural yeah okay did did you have a good social scene like were you doing it with friends or did you make the friends when you started doing the sport like what was um because i imagine like spain spain is a hotbed of trials so it's, it's not an uncommon sport there and you must have had people there but were you more of a sort of solo kid happy on your own time or were you doing it for more social reasons um you know where i live is a, a spot where uh i was by by myself uh, let's say it was more in the north of catalonia in spain where there was a bigger group of people uh, at, at least of my, my age and my with my goals at that moment so i only met them on the races uh, i don't have the chance to to be with them uh yeah okay practicing when i can on the weekends or uh or on every day so I make it uh, all by myself and with uh, my father. We all, uh, let's say, have fun together and we just meet the, the people or the friends that we have on trials uh, just in the races. So tell me about that first uh, World GP event. That must have been amazing. Yeah, it it was amazing because, uh, you know, I go there uh, and there were many, many good riders. Now you can go to trial GP, you... You go in and for sure you take points, you score points on your first race because there are just 12 riders. There are many on trial two, many on trial one to five, but actually on trial GP, it's a few group. When I started, there was just, uh, let's say, GP class. And there were many, many riders uh, in there that, you know, I feel like a small boy around my idols. But I, yeah, started, of course. I started to to ride and it was amazing because I scored points. I was 14 at the end of the race. Uh, so I scored two points, which was really amazing. I cannot believe that moment, you know? And after First that, trial. Yeah. And you also scored points in it. Yeah. Yeah. I beat yeah, the riders that I've never beat before in the Spanish championship. You, you, it was, let's say, one day that uh, everything happened uh, seamlessly, like uh, yeah. everything is flowing. And thanks to yeah. that, I was able to to make the rest of the world championship because I don't have any plan. Nobody was helping me to to go to the other races, and uh, to put you in perspective, how difficult it was, I could not score points in any other race that year. So I just had this these two first points on the first race, and I was outside the fifteen places, outside the the points for the whole year. At the end, I remember okay. the last race, I was so so close, but I could not manage to do it again. So what do you take away from a season like that where maybe you've come out and using an Australian term, we'd say you've had a blinder when you, you know, someone has a really good ride yeah. uh, and 
then you're not necessarily able to back it up. Did you feel like you weren't writing to your potential or were you still thinking, well, I'm having a good trial, but the sections are hard? Like, how was your, you know, memory of the the, the first season? Uh, the first season at the end uh, teach me that uh, it's so difficult to, to be in the top and the top riders are so, so good, you know. Uh, from the outside, uh, like the thing I've told you before when I was a kid, it can seem uh, not that difficult from a kid perspective because uh, every sport that you see the people making in a good way, it looks easy. If you watch Federer playing tennis, it looks easy. If you watch anything in the world, but in a good level, they make so good in a way that uh, for the others, it can seem easy. No? But when you go in and you notice everything that it's around, uh, every small details, how many things count to be on the top, and I remember that I realized that, whoa, that's going to be a, I'm at the world championship. That's a step that I've never seen so close. And it teaches me that it's going to be hard and you need to improve. Now, the good thing and that I appreciate from that moment, because as I told you, we started with the top class. I have no option to start with a one to five or trial two, is that from that first race to the last one, even if I didn't score points in the other races, I was seeing how I was getting close and close every race, you know? So it's a good thing that for the rider, you put in perspective and you see at the first race, for example, I was 14 and the one who won make 10 points and I make 95, let's say. But I finished the year that the one who won make 15 and I, I was making 65, you know? You, yeah, you're you getting closer. It was far away for sure, but you've seen the progression. And it sounds like you were, re- you were you were and remained the whole time a real student. So you were always looking to learn, looking to make marginal improvements. Even if you weren't necessarily um, winning every trial, you try and improve and take a real discipline to your improvement. Uh, yeah, I always uh, uh, say that about, my, about myself that I'm not so talented, let's say. Because uh, I'm not a kid that has uh, a big uh, self-esteem or self-confidence, you know. So I need to do the things uh, step by step. I need to really learn what I was doing. I need to understand what is happening. And probably that makes that uh, it cost me quite a lot of time to, to, to succeed, maybe. no. It was nothing that it happens so fast. I need my time, my progression, and I need to, to be sure. I need to be convinced uh, be, be, before I can reach my goals. You know, I cannot go there and I just try it and I go, I close my eyes. No, no, I need to make step by step. And I think that after it's what helped me to to stay so many years at the front of the sport. Jeez, if we do the maths, that's uh, your first trial was what season? 1997? Yeah. Wow. And you're still competitive today, albeit you're not in the trial GP. We'll get to that. You're still writing trial E, but that's a that's a 23 year career of involvement. So that's uh, that's certainly something to be proud of uh, for just the longevity, if nothing else. Like that's that's mad. for yeah. a professional sportsman. That's a long career. It, you know, you look at professional sports and soccer players and tennis players. There's not many players that are getting 20. Yeah, but, years out of a career. But things are changing. Look, for example, tennis, you're saying now, Roger Federer, it's 39 years old as well, you know? I think yeah. people, uh, maybe also it happens a little bit the same, no? It came out a group of riders uh, 
from those seasons that we've been pushing one to each other so hard that it brings herself here. It was uh, Fuji, Lamkin, uh, Raga, Fajardo, Bo. Uh, there was that kind of rider that we were pushing and we were practicing so hard to beat one to each other that uh, you find yourself in a wheel that keeps turning and turning and you, you reach a level that then for the other ones it's difficult to, to catch. Yeah. And, and speaking of winning, you won your first uh, event in Italy yeah. uh, a couple of seasons later. So tell me about that build-up. Was that uh, frustrating to be banging your head against the door a few times without breaking through? Or were you seeing those marginal improvements all the way up to your first win in Italy? No, for me, it wasn't frustrating. The thing is that, as I told you before, I need my time. I need to understand the things. And I'm not the kind of rider that uh, can make uh, one, let's say, amazing jump from one day to the other. If I make one jump, it's normally to to stay there and to keep that progression. And look that on 97, I scored points on my first race, then nothing else happened. I started on 98 that I scored points on the first race and I was constantly up there. I put myself on the first 10 riders in some races. Right. And, okay. And, and then 99, I jumped to the Gas Gas uh, official team and then I get three podiums on the World Championship. And then wow. on 2000, I jumped to a better team and, uh, and I get my first victory. So uh, you can look with this progression how I was doing things step by step. You know, there are sometimes that just you look at one rider who make a podium and he's, uh, let's say, three, four, five years without another one, no? because uh, that's not my way. I, I always try to, to understand the things why are happening. And that's why when I reach one goal, I was able, let's say, to repeat or be close to repeat that one. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned a few riders' names there, you know, Raga, Bo, Fajardo, the Fujinami. There's a lot of talent in that pool of riders. And, and you were there during a, a massive period of success for all of those people, including yourself. What What's your takeaway because that's that's a cohort of riders that have just had a fantastic degree of skills and uh, you know improve you know and uh, success was it that pushing each other do you think that was you know a key component yeah for sure i think uh that's what uh keep us uh to that moment we are now no after 23 years 24 years at the world championship the top riders are still the same uh the last year's uh booster for example joined uh, the podium places now. Casales is knocking at the door as well. Yeah, but uh, let's say that we came here. We stay uh, on the top for so many years because one were pushing the other one. And also, I think the fact that helped us a lot is that we were all from the same country. Not Fuji, but Fuji at the end was living in Spain since the first day. So sometimes that happened. That let's say an Italian rider or a rider from another country for him. Uh, let's say, understand me, it's easy to succeed in their country. So that makes that uh, probably he relaxed a little bit. If we want to succeed in our country, we need to beat the best ones in the world. So that keep us pushing and that we cannot relax never. We yeah. need to push because at the easiest race you can go, that means your Spanish championship or your country championship, you need to put the same effort and the same level than in a world championship. You cannot relax. You can never relax. And I think that will keep on turning, keep on turning, and that's why we are here. 
So yeah, uh, there's a theory that you know all this success breeds more success. If you're always riding against really high caliber people, then you're just lifting your level all the time. And given you're all in the same country, you're competing not just on trials, GP, but also at yes, local Spanish championship. You're just spending a lot more time with these fantastic riders. So yeah, I I, I really get what you're saying. What was it like for you when these people you're competing against become your teammates at the TDN? Was that a bit weird or uh, was everyone happy to make it a team event for a couple of days? Uh, it's not difficult at all because look that at the end we are a family that we are, let's say, traveling together the whole year. We meet uh, almost every weekend and we share a lot of moments, you know. So the TDN is more like a party for sure. It's a world championship, but it's a, a race that if you have the the chance or, or the luck I, I I had in the past to to join that team that for sure look that you have four riders and all the four riders are in the top five in the world championship so you have a lot of numbers to win this race it's not sure you need to to make it it's never easy but uh, it's a race that you can go there and try to enjoy like no other race you know it's 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 a different kind of race and for sure we enjoy because at the end it's what I was telling you we share many moments in the in all the races watching the section traveling meeting in, at the airports so at the end we are friends with ones for sure you are more friend than the other ones that's clear but uh it's a place it's a moment of the year that you can go and relax a little bit more yeah i've heard that that term party atmosphere before uh i'm i'm very jealous uh i'm gonna have to find my way across to a tdn at some point even if it's uh just to support the australian team or spectate or something i think it sounds like it's a fantastic environment for yeah, everyone involved it's um, an experience you should do it. yeah for sure yeah <laughs> albert said i should there you go we'll make it happen how do you reflect on your career because you know 84 podiums nine wins at the top flight uh 27 participations with the TDN but you probably won I'm thinking a significant number of those as well like how do you, how do you look back over that period of time and is there any standouts of particular events particular trials that you know you just go you know I'm very very proud of that one well I think you also need to to count because you're missing here the the indoor series because for us were so so important and in that, I even achieved much more victories in podiums. So, right, okay. At the end, uh, I think I, I won twenty-seven or twenty-nine races on the Indoor World Championship. I don't know how many podiums. Let's say so. We are the the whole year because we have the indoor season on the winter and the outdoor more on the Got summer. It. We start yep. on the spring. But uh, let's say uh, I, I was. Really proud, uh, for sure, of the 2002 year because it was almost perfect. I won the Spanish Championship, the Indoor Spanish Championship, the World Indoor Championship, third in the in the Outdoor Championship as well. It was uh, on a paper the best year, but I was really happy of my comeback uh, on 2006, seven, eight. Those years later, uh, with the Sherco when I when I jumped to the Sherco team, because yep. I was able to beat again. Adam Raga, because he was the one who beat me after I won my world championship, my indoor world championship. So coming back uh, to a stronger team, to an easier bike, and to prove to the world that I was capable to to have won more indoor world championship with a different bike, 
that was important for me. So the comeback in 2006, uh, 2007. Also, I think after Japan, it was 2006, I was leading the World Outdoor Championship. So I'm really uh, proud and happy of those seasons. After also when we put the challenge with the forest stroke, with the Sherco, to finish with, uh, let's say, of course, we didn't have the, the technology and the, and the, all the, the, the things to make that bike work as good as the Montesa as the, on the team. And we were able to, to finish second at the Indoor World Championship with a forest stroke. No? So I think yeah. there were many, many moments of my career that I am proud of. Even if I, I don't won, uh, but I was giving my 100% and proving that we are capable to, to win. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the way you describe that 2002 season, I, I didn't appreciate that there's a, a Spanish indoor uh, event as well as the world indoor event. So you've got your Spanish outdoors, your Spanish indoors, your world outdoors, and your world indoors. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does your calendar look like? It must be insane, the, the amount of competition week after week. We have, uh, I think... F- five or six years it was terrible because we have at the world indoor championship it, it wasn't like now we have 12 rounds that mean 12 weekends we have 10 rounds in the outer world championship we have 10 rounds in the indoor spanish championship we have eight rounds in the spanish outdoor championship the tdn the indoor tdn plus some other shows that we were doing so uh, i think one year we just had five weekends free something crazy it was, uh, at that moment, it was really amazing, all the races that we had. Yeah. And and to be consistent across all of them and to win a few of them, like that's that's special. That, that really is. And then as you say, to sort of come back, what was it like with developing the four-stroke? Did you have much to do with the development of the Sherco four-stroke? Uh, well, I think that was the pity that we, we cannot make uh, almost nothing. We have that bike and we just can ride it and let's say fine-tune the clutch or the suspension but at the end it's what you're doing on a on a normal bike you put uh, your settings so you're comfortable but in terms of engine we were stuck there we have just have that engine we cannot uh, achieve to have injection but this would have helped us a lot so we have this product so powerful so difficult to ride so demanding so being able to to ride this bike, it was a, a nice feeling, you no? Know, because when when you were capable to to use all that power, the the feeling was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you had a long arrangement with Sherco for a few years, as you would know, as as our listeners might know, your name is you know across a number of Sherco's uh, as the factory model uh, yeah. up until two thousand and sixteen or seventeen, I think. Yeah, that's got to be amazing to have your name on your bike firstly but then did you get an opportunity to do more refinement and more development of the bike that had your name on it down the track was it more an example of what you were riding in those later years uh not really not really i think the first time they gave me the opportunity let's say they 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 tell me that they're going to make one cabestan replica uh, it was wow, nice. You always dream of that. No, you have uh, your bike uh, on a shop. It's it's an amazing feeling, but it was more putting the the better tools or the better pieces on that bike more than the to fine tune the the bike. Let's say I'm gonna do this job much more now that I'm retired with the Gas Gas team. 
that I never did uh, for Sherco. We have one yeah. high, we have uh, one setting, but uh, at the end we were we have another goal that it was racing to be we have our mind completely focused on the races, and they just make that kind of bikes, that series of bikes uh, to to put your best pieces, a little bit of titanium, uh, carbon fiber, or that that pieces that make the the bike uh, better and lighter. Okay, fast forward. It's December 2018, January 2019, and you announce your retirement from the trial GP. Yeah. Did did you know early on in that season it was coming, or were you, you know, reluctant to exit? How did you feel about leaving the sport? Well, let's say I, I had it more clear at the end of 2017 because it was a terrible year. Uh, I had a lot of problems with the Sherco bike. And let's say uh, things were getting difficult to to continue there. So uh, at that moment, I thought that was over. But what had happened uh, that time is that I wasn't feeling ready to retire because I say, hey, my level is here. And I don't think uh, I deserve to retire with a seventh place at the World Championship. More than the place, the way I ride this year because I was... uh, not capable to to express myself on the bike. It uh, it was yeah. a terrible year for me in terms of feeling and to show uh, my performance. So uh, I know that uh, my my period uh, with Sherco team it was over. There was no chance to to do it again to keep going and to improve what we did at that year. And I wanted to continue. So we make the effort. Uh, we call to the better team and we make that proposal. Look, I'm feeling strong. I want to share uh, the world that I'm still capable, that the seven plays and what I, I show this year, it's not the real Albuquerque so I want to prove it. And we make one deal for one year with uh, with a goal of what I'm telling you, to, to prove that I was still capable and that I was a good rider. But uh, with that conditions, uh, I just can't afford to make it one year because uh, I was just, let's say, almost putting money from my pocket. Yes. Okay. So I reached at the end of this season, 2018, and I'm really proud that on my last uh, trial GP race, I, I succeed with a podium. So not many people can uh, uh, really retire from one sport on the top of the podium uh, in his last race. So I'm really proud of this. But I was still feeling strong. So I go to to speak with a better team. They were also happy about the whole season, my performance, uh, how we were developing the bike. And uh, we talk open, uh, openly about how was the situation, and I expose them that if I continued the world championship, it was to do even better, not to keep uh, staying uh, where I was that year. No, I want to really keep pushing forward. I I was feeling ready to to fight for the podium at the end of the season, and that was my proposal. But at that moment, better was not ready to to accomplish that. Uh, they were doubting if uh, keeping me with the same budget which I tell them that for me it was impossible, or take a couple of young riders. And at the end, they they choose because I, I tell them that for me it was not possible. I need to, to have a better budget because I need to fight with Raga, with Bo, with Fajardo, with people that has an amazing team and, and, and a good budget to, to achieve these goals. And that wasn't the case. So look, before I make uh, one more year, just to make one more year, I prefer to leave it here, uh, finish my career being uh, at the top, uh, showing that 
I was a very good and performant rider till my last race, finishing in the podium. And that was what happened. You know, I don't have uh, the guarantee to, to have uh, the conditions I think it was deserved to, to fight for what I wanted. Okay. So we know now that you moved on uh, and found ended up finding a ride with Gas Gas and riding the Trial E, the electric class. But before we get to that, what would you have done at that point if you hadn't have found a ride? Uh, did you have a plan after your career of trial GP of what you were going to do? Yeah, yeah. I was working on my website, uh, albertcabestein.tv, and it was an online school platform. I was uh, have on my mind uh, the idea of teaching the people around the world. There are people that, for them, it's so easy to to. They are. They live close, and they can meet us, and they can. We can teach them easily. But I know there is many people all around the world that they don't have that chance. So uh, my goal, and let's say, I, what I had on my mind, it was a uh, an online school, and I started to work on it. Uh, I record videos with different brands because I want to to share all my knowledge and to understand how all the brands were working, TRS, Beta, Gas Gas, all the brands. And I was starting to work on that and I have, let's say, quite a amount of videos and, and teachings already done, both in English and Spanish. But suddenly the opportunity of Gas Gas arrived. And, uh, then I stopped for one moment this project and I put on a standby and uh, probably... Sooner or later, it will come out as well. But uh, I need to to refocus how 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 to make it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that certainly sounds like it would fill a gap because there's certainly some opportunities. I think there to to do some great educational materials that are sort of delivered online. So yeah, uh, sounds exciting. Yeah. You know what I wanted? It's not only put my videos and to teach my thoughts. It was uh, make a community that people can send me their videos. I take a look, I work on those videos, and I bring it back to the community explaining what were the problems. You know? Because for me, it's, sometimes it's so easy to, to really understand what somebody's doing wrong, and they are not even capable to, to understand there is anything wrong. You know, So yeah, I, I want know. Yep. to make a, a work, not just me, all the time on the videos, if not uh, the people who are in this community, and bring back... My idea was you can you can choose you can if you let me share your video with the whole community, or you want to just come back for you and you have all, all this knowledge just for you. So that was my options. my options. So. That's um yeah that's fantastic. I'm, I'm very excited to sort of hear about that type of content. So <laughs> I, I I look forward to uh, discussing that with you uh, and sending you some of my videos to get some consultation on yeah, how I can free. improve. <laughs> so we, as you said, you've, you've, you've gone to Gas Gas Trial E. So how did that come about? Explain that transition. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I've always been uh, a techie boy. You know, I really like technology. I like uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, from photography to computers to everything that's electric, electronic, let's say. Uh, so that came like they they wanted to repeat their success at the Trial E World Championship, and they asked me if I want to to achieve this goal. And I say, look, more than anything special, or I, I never 
take this as a comeback to the world championship, if not more an approach and to understand the situation of the electric bikes at that moment, because I was really curious about that. So my approach was more to understand how it was the electric bikes and to approach to these these bikes more than let's say a goal of coming back as a real rider you know so i i've never take that as a really come back to to the world championship yeah understood so but it still gave you an opportunity to compete and uh, scratch that competitive itch do you think you'd you'd miss the competition or were you happy as long as you're involved still in the sport so you know, coming back to do trial E, it sounds like your motivation was as much about a curiosity, trying to help establish the electric scene more so than it was necessarily, uh, you know, I really miss that competitive drive. Yeah, I miss just in in a way that oh, what I was telling you before, I feel still capable to fight for the podium at the World Championship. So for one side, I thought that this was a pity, but Anyway, I know that this time was over, so I need to to change my mind and keep going just to be proud and happy of what what I achieved in the past. And uh, to be honest, uh, things at the World Championship, when you're inside, are not that fun or that that nice. FIM rules sometimes are terrible. You are more, instead of enjoying the experience, sometimes you are having a bad time. They put you pressure with an on-stop. Everything seems complicated on the paddock. So there was a moment for me that I don't really miss the races because they they were not making this enjoyable at all, you know, at least as a rider point of view. Let's say that now I want it or I would like to, to live in a different way and a different perspective because I really like trials. I love trials and I love to be involved. So after so many years living this world from the inside, as a top rider, for sure I wanted to to live in different conditions. I don't know if minding a team manager or which way, but I know I want to be involved and to let's say enjoy a little bit this from the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nodding furiously because I think those are some really fantastic decision making sort of logic. There, it, it really seems like you've thought it through and and we're at ease with either way. But that pressure of being in a uh, trial GP rider, uh, it, it, it's interesting to hear it from your perspective that it, that it sometimes can suck the fun out of it. That's uh, do you think that's a, a common experience amongst a lot of the the riders in that it sometimes can be yeah losing a lot of its fun because of the rules because of the for sure pressure for sure uh, it's a common thinking in the trial paddock. Let's say uh, I remember many many years ago that talking one rider to each other, we were saying, well, this cannot go worse, you know? And they proved that it can go even worse, you know? Because it's, uh, I don't know if you like football. Yeah, yeah. There is that point, I don't know how they say, out of game, that when you pass the ball and one one player is, let's say, farther than the other on the other Uh, Offside. Offside, yeah. So we were living all the time in that moment, you know? On the football, they have just one person looking for this and they make mistakes. So you can imagine living in the nonstop, every section, every meter, when you have observers that are not professionals. So sometimes you, you, you so ridiculous things that they let you stop going backwards. And in the next section, you just stop a little bit and they gave you five. So it was constantly a nightmare, 
you know there are many things after many things you you get to the paddock and you cannot ride the bike uh, outside this time you cannot make this you cannot make that you were all the time you were feeling guilty for something you know so at the end experience it was quite quite difficult i don't think that anybody enjoyed going there you enjoy the feeling yeah. when you finish when you make your job well done when you get a good result but once when you are leaving at least a top rider that he has the pressure of a factory after him that you need to get the results to keep staying there to to have one new contract for the next year it was uh quite demanding for the mind yeah it was uh, not easy experience so if i think about what you've said there you've got the variables of the terrain you've got the variables of the machine you've got the variables of whether you're having a good or a bad day and all of those things alone can sometimes you know make things hard but then when you throw in inconsistencies with observing that are out of your control and they start complicating your day it sounds like it's a yeah it can be a really tough environment if you're not you know if you can control your mechanics and you can control how you ride it still doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to go in your way because you could have a new or inexperienced observer. Exactly. Look at how many races have been decided for less than two or three points. A lot of races. So, for example, you are riding one section and you lose the balance for one moment. And that observer, for whatever reason it is, he's kind. Okay, no problem. You, you spend two seconds balancing the bike and you keep going. You have a clean. The same thing can happen in the next section to another rider and they can leave that section with a five doing the same or even less than when you've been doing the other one you know so for me when you want to put in a perspective of a world championship to decide which rider is the best at the end look that uh, whatever the rule it is the, the best rider at the end come out the same that's not, not a big problem but it's just more the feeling of how you live the experience that it's let's say even worse or could be more nice and at the end, it's uh, not uh, a fantastic experience. Is there an argument for why then indoor is more f consistent or more fun? Because you've got the one observer or, or the, only a few observers that are following you around through the sections. So your, your observer are no longer the variable. Uh, for me, the, the indoor series are the more, uh, let's say, the more true competition that you can you can ride because, as you're saying, sections are always the same for all the riders, same conditions, same observer. So for us, that was the best championship in order to 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 feel, uh, let's say, the the true. Uh, it reflected everyone's form. performance exactly. most accurately. But yeah. now that we have this in a good point, they come out and they put one more uh, obstacle on that, and they put that leaning on the on the engine is one point. You know. So once right. again, we are finding one more trouble because I understand that if you use the engine, the plate to go one step and then keep going, you use it. But sometimes you just jump from one place to the to the other one. You compress the suspension and just tuck, you touch. And they give yep. you one and you say, but yeah. this is not helping me at all. It's at reverse. Yep. Touching the engine here maybe throw me out of the section. So what one championship that we have the rule... Uh, nice and easily they put problems on that you know it's like we are creating problems all the time instead of going to the easy way we go and and we try to search 
one problem to to add on. So sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it does. It, you, you, yeah, you make an interesting uh, case for for some of that. I I guess to be doing this sport though for twenty three years, you must have had some fun somewhere, and it can't just be that TDN once a year. How did you? Where where were the fun trials for you then throughout the year? No, but was no, it the Spanish championship or no? Were they all hard? A part of that, it was uh, all fun, you know. Or day by day, it's fantastic. Sometimes you have travels with the bike or the the races. Let's say they are uh, getting close and close, and maybe you are not at the level that you desire or the bike you. It's not how how you want it. But the day by day of a trial rider is fantastic. Look, you wake up in the morning, you take your van, your bike, you go to the mountain, you ride the the bike. So it's fantastic. It's only you need to 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 pay uh, that that uh, yeah that part of the competition. Let's say that for sure. I understand that you need to have pressure and you need to leave this pressure because you are competing for a world championship. The only thing I, I'm not uh, happy about is all the extra shit they put around. You know. Because I yeah. understand that races are never fun for nobody. You, yeah. you, when you finish, or if you're leading a race by 20 points, maybe you can have more fun for sure. But once you're racing, you're under pressure, you're giving yourself at 100%. And I understand that these moments, it's uh, the price you pay because you, you're having a fantastic life around this. Yeah, but okay. It's just the extra things they, they put on the races that makes this experience a little bit worse. Understand me. Go to race uh, will will always be hard for the rider, at least for the top rider, but no problem. At the end, you're doing what, what you like and uh, and you're putting the effort to, to achieve good results. It's just, it makes a little bit less fun that moment, all the extra things around it because they are not under your control and sometimes they're quite, quite yeah. uh, difficult to to live. And so you found that transition to trial E it's released a lot of the pressure. You've been able to get back to enjoying the sport a bit more. And you've had some fantastic success as well. So the last two years, you've won the Trial E Championship, which is uh, which is amazing. Yeah, but uh, at the end, that exact moment of the competition, it was the same. I, it was compulsory for me to win, to give my, my best. So I was feeling the same pressure than on Trial GP, and I was feeling the same rules. So, so the moment of the race, it's never... Uh, that fun because oh, wow. uh, it's the okay. moment that you need to to prove all what you've been working before. So I really yeah. had fun the days before developing the bike, practicing on with the new bike, and all these moments are fantastic. But even if it's uh, trial E, uh, it's not an enjoyable moment because you are under pressure. Look at this year, uh, we start losing the first two races against Chetanyo. So for <laughs> me, coming to Italy, it was. Uh, let's say a nightmare i was under pressure and i need to to win both days it was compulsory for me to to win both days so you can imagine that i for sure i will not have fun at the moment there was not I, I that was one of the tightest of all the competition classes that was the tightest this year yeah. the trial yeah. e and you guys had a real battle uh to this year in particular yeah. Uh, at the end, it's what I was telling when I was racing, and at that moment that you are feeling that the victory is close. Let's say when you when you get to the last section and you are with five points, and the other rider it's fifteen, that you you know that you have won. That moment you have fun, but you need to wait twenty nine sections for that moment. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, are you 
are you going to be doing trial E next year as well? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think uh, because uh, the first jump into trial E it was to understand or to to see how it was this wall, how were the electric bikes, and then uh, the thing to make it for the second year. It was to approach to the to this new gas gas because my first attempt at the world championship it was with the old team with the old gas gas, and after 2019 it was when uh, KTM by the, yep. the team gas gas. So I want to be there. I want to to feel the experience of being in one brand like uh, KTM and gas gas, and that's why I plan to ride again this year. No, so once again the motivation it was not to. Let's say to come back to the to the sport uh, as a competition, if not to live inside once again a new goal, a new perspective with a new brand that it's uh, so powerful. How it can look the future for trials, no? And yeah. After this year, after that moment, I start to join uh, the new Gas Gas team in a different way. I I spend most of my year helping them to develop the bike to work on future plans, then really focus on the trial world championship. And that brings me to that moment where, uh, after they see how I work, how I can help them, and all the things I can bring to the team, that they uh, offer me the chance for for the next season to be uh, the new uh, trial team manager as well and R and D advisor. So, so it's uh, let's say a, a nice uh, future ahead uh, with uh, a nice things to work on and with the new goals that I'm so excited about. Yeah, so trial team manager that and and R and D that's fantastic. So that means you're managing the riders across all competitive classes. So trial E one two five two fifty trial GP, and you're also getting an opportunity to improve and develop the bike. That's that's a very exciting opportunity. Exactly, exactly. That that's uh, what I was talking to you before. That it's on a on the next experience I want to have on the trial wall. No, I want to. To leave the world championship, but from another side, and I think that one it, it can be fantastic. Have you observed the difference with KTM coming on board in terms of their approach to trials? Obviously, they've still retained the Gas Gas brand, uh, but in terms of like the motorsport side, have you noticed? Um, you know, and have you seen? Don't don't tell me what you can't tell me. But is <laughs> there sure. is is there is there a real commitment behind trials uh, in KTM? Absolutely. Uh, at the beginning, uh, I was I must say I was skeptical because you never know what's going to happen. If they just want the brand and they maybe they they are not interested in trials, you never know what uh, a big brand like that will 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 do in the future. You know, but I must uh, say that I'm so surprised the way they approach trials. How they are living trials, how they are interested on trials. So I'm so happy about that because uh, I've seen a ways of work in the trial world that I've never seen before. How they focus on the goals, how how they plan it, how they want uh, the quality they want, how they want the things to be done. So for me, it's a new opportunity and a new way of approaching the sport that I, I never seen in the past on the trial world yet. And that commitment to trial E will re- retain like that's still a class they're very committed to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think they, they are so interested on on the electric engines, and and they know. I think 
every brand should know that at the end it's a little bit the future no uh, even if you like it or not uh, i don't know that but but if you are clever you 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 need to understand that this is going to be the future at least maybe not 100% but a big part of the future of the of the bikes at the end will become electric so they know that and it's one of their goals for sure yeah yeah so uh what will be your travel schedule then so are you supporting them at world rounds or are you national spanish rounds what's your travel schedule going to be like uh, obviously covid's going to have an impact but if we take covid out of the mix just for the moment yeah. what's the level of commitment you've you've given them in terms of events and races yeah the idea is that in all the events where the official team are taking part i will be there with them i will join the team uh, helping them from uh, my my let's say technical side as a rider in the past so i think i can help the riders uh, very much because they are so talented but they are young so i can share my experience with them so i will will join them on the sessions and the day by day on, on the on the technical side as well as how to to manage everything decide where the plan of traveling what the the mechanics should do how the bike should should be designed i don't know all those things let's say i will have a commitment in all the areas of the team manager yeah okay and that includes developing newer riders as well like is that part of it uh yeah uh, at least uh, i'm curious about this uh, uh one thing that it's true is that from uh, the new gas has they are not making the things crazy so let's say they don't put here a crazy amount of money to make these things so we are starting step by step but uh, one of my goals is to 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 make uh, the young riders grow up uh, for sure for example this year we just had uh, casales and me as a trial rider next year we will have two trial gp riders and probably it's almost done we will have one trial one to five riders uh, not 100% supported but uh, we will bring support as a factory team so i will also be involved with this young rider and we are planning maybe if we can make something on trial too so the idea is to to make it grow and to have uh, the team representing in every class fantastic okay and is that a commitment you expect for a few years or is that um a year by year proposition how does how does a, a an arrangement with choosing a team manager generally work uh, at the moment is year by year because is what i'm telling you they are just approaching to trials they they don't want surprises so they want to do things step by step that's a little bit my way of work in the past you know i need to understand things how how should be done to understand it and keep keep uh, progressing and going forward so at the moment it's uh, just a one year deal for for my side but uh, they can if they want they can renew be, before the uh, before yeah, summer, okay. you know. So yeah. the idea is that everything it works fine and uh, easily. We can have a nice project for the for the future. Yeah. We look at people like Dougie Lampkin, for example. He's he's had a career trial GP. He's gone on to then manage the Vertigo team, but he still himself competes occasionally, and obviously he's had a lot of success at the Scottish Six Day. Uh, what about yourself? Have you got any plans for competition? Uh. I don't know. I don't know. Now, look at, for example, Doogie. Uh, his work as team manager, it's not uh, 100% commitment, I think, because he's also UK importer for Vertigo and, and he's living in UK. So 
he has his time and I, I don't really know what he's doing. But uh, look at my, my agenda for next year. It's quite busy because if I need to help them developing the the new bikes with R and D team and also manage all the trial team, I don't know how it will be the schedule. Uh, for sure, I will still ride the bike for fun and I will keep my social media like Instagram live and with, I hope, uh, new releases as always that I can. And some races uh, like Santigosa, that it's, let's say, our Scottish six days here in Spain. Oh, that yes. kind of races, probably I will be there, but it's not guaranteed. I think it depends how, how the year it's going. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we need a trial rider and I need to ride again. Who knows? You know, at, at the moment, <laughs> we are still building everything and we need to, to really go step by step and, and see the, how it's uh, progressing with the time. Yeah, understood. A lot of variables. Just a quick question. I like to ask all my guests this, and I appreciate you're a man at the top of our sport, but I am keen to make this podcast appeal not just to professional riders, but your everyday trials rider or someone on the outside of our sport that was looking at joining our sport and trying to partake. So what would be your advice to anyone in Tarragona that was looking at joining a starting trials? What would your advice be? My advice is to have fun. <laughs> you know, for me, it's the the, the main thing because uh, if we were focusing, let's say, more on younger riders, not just in trials, in every sport, we've seen many fathers after them pushing so hard. And for me, you need to do this sport for fun and good things will arrive. You know, I was the one when I was five years old that I put my uh, the, the clock in the morning at 5 a.m. And I wake up myself, I go to, to wake up my father. Hey, hey, we need to go to the races. Come on, come on. And my father was sleeping, no? Instead of my father pushing me to, to go to the races. So the first thing is that they need to have fun. It needs to be the rider who makes all the job and who, who pushes. I always tell to my daughter, my daughter now is playing tennis. And I, I tell her, okay, I will help you in everything I, you need, always that I can, but you should be the one who, who is caring everything i will not push you i I will just tell you do you want to go no okay it's up to you you know so i will never put pressure on on the people because nice things happen when you are having fun when it comes from yourself no and after that of course uh let's say that uh, my my next uh advice would be that be always very curious you know uh, ask yourself, uh, demand to yourself about small things. Those are small details always makes a difference because sometimes just putting the wheel one one inch left, it can make a difference, you know? So have fun and just be curious about everything around you because it's the way that you will keep progressing and, and enjoying the sport. Well, on that fantastic nugget of advice, Albert Cabestan, thank you so much for being a guest on the Trials Australia podcast. It's been fantastic talking to you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you again. Cheers. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this Trials Australia podcast. Remember, get in touch with us with any tips, suggestions, or recommended guests via email at podcast at trials.com.au. That's all for now. 